Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Second Level Podcast. We are all recording from home, staying safe and social distancing, and you should too. You might notice some of the sound is a little different than normal, but that's only because we're using extra caution. Enjoy the show. It's a good one. Welcome to The Second Level. I'm Christina Heller. And I'm Marcy Jastro. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are really excited. Today, we have two very special guests, a dynamic bi-coastal duo. We've got Winslow Porter and Melitza Zek, both well-known in the VR industry for their two big titles, one of which was Giant, which premiered at New Frontier Sundance 2016. And then they had another amazing piece following the next year at Sundance New Frontiers 2017 called Tree. So it's great to have you both today. I'm really excited. I had the pleasure of seeing seeing both of those pieces, actually. I saw, I saw Giant at 2016 New Frontiers, and then I saw Tree at the IMAX Center, actually. So thank you both for joining us, and, and we'll dive right in. I can't help but want to know, what was your first experience with VR, and when, when did you discover virtual reality, and what was it about it that made you decide to, to go all in and start to become a, a creator in that medium? I discovered it actually uh, thanks to Winslow. Uh, we were friends and collaborators before we started our own company, and uh, he was already working in that field, and then... He was always inviting me to either to Rebecca Film Festival or some independent um, exhibitions of VR um, in museums or in his school and my youth. So um, that's how I got um, connected with it in New York. And then we always thought like, okay, one day we need to make our own work. And that's really happened when, when the idea for Giant was born. We thought, okay, like let's use this medium for some good purpose. Let's not just make VR for the sake of making VR, but let's uh, let's use it as a tool to express these important stories. And that's how it really started for me. And Winslow, real quick, on the technical side of, of everything when it came to Giant, can you walk us through um, what that looked like three, four years ago in the world of production? Sure. Uh, the first VR project that I worked on called Clouds, which we actually premiered at Sundance in 2014. I was the producer and James George and Jonathan Menard were the directors. Uh, and that was one of the first examples of volumetric uh, video that was being captured using pretty much off the shelf parts. It was basically a glorified toy from an Xbox, you know, the Kinect One. And then it was, uh, that was the depth data married with the video data. Uh, from a DSLR, just a, a Canon um, 5D Mark II. And so that was sort of the beginning of us understanding the power of spatial you know, computing, of, of being able to put somebody you know, with somebody else in a space and having it feel real, even though it was a totally surreal experience of seeing somebody represented as point clouds, which you guys are you know, super familiar with. And so the, the issue with, with DepKit, um, you know, it's a really amazing way to capture, but because of the technology, because, you know, it's it, the Connect at that time was pretty low resolution. We were getting sort of jagged edges. So then we decided to shoot on a green screen. And we worked with Juan Salvo, who does amazing work in finishing and color timing. And we shot actually in Chelsea at a green screen stage. And it was an amazing situation because, you know, people were calling speed for the camera and sound. But then they were also saying, you know, rolling depth 
And Lisa and I had never heard that before. So it was an amazing you know, opportunity to sort of see how we were going to capture actors, make them feel real, and then composite them into uh, an environment that was all inside of the Unreal Engine. And uh, Lisa and I both come uh, from film background, and we worked in you know, regular 2D films before. So in a way, Giant was uh, the bridge, like connecting film and video game world. So we had team, like typical team, as, as Swizzle was exp- explaining, we were shooting in front of green screen. So we had a- everyone from makeup artists, uh, camera, camera assistant, actors, but then we also had uh, game designers on the other side in post-production and visual effects designers. So that was an interesting like, transition for me. How did you approach your creative process when moving to VR from traditional filmmaking, as they call it? VR is something entirely its own, but it's also a mix video games, film, immersive theater, and installation art. And so we were all pulling from our backgrounds in that. And Milica also worked with the performance artist Marina Abramovich. So there's a lot of you know amazing sort of like insights from that as well. And Milica, do you want to talk about sort of the, the script writing process? Yeah, we Winslow, myself, and our scriptwriter Lizzie Donahue, we are all we were all editors at some point in our life, film editors. So uh, it was interesting like that we couldn't make any cuts. The way we conceived Giant was like it's only happening in these five and a half minutes, all in front of you, all at once. And then what if actors, you know, we, we shot actors like let's say around 15 times, the whole performance from the beginning to the end. And they were in this wide shot. So there are no close-ups or anything like that that we were used to. But then we uh, came up with this idea to have, because it's happening like where you're hiding from bombs in a basement. So we came up with the idea that uh, there, there should be some power out, outages, like blackouts in, in, as bombs are dropping. Uh, so we use those moments when the light goes out that we can cut. If we liked some other take better, we could continue from there. So that was our like, creative way around Would you mind walking the listener through Giant? You know, what was the experience like if you happened to be at Sundance New Frontiers and you were viewing the experience? Yeah, so we decided, for us, VR is not just what happens when you put on the headset. We we like to have it as physical installations. Uh, And then we think about it, what happens when you approach this physical installation? So we built this huge room that would resemble the basement, and we put like a dimmed light bulb uh, in the center of the ceiling um, to kind of resemble that darkness of the basement where the family is. So before you put the hatchet on, you're entering this room and already getting into this feeling of what's going to happen. I mean, this kind of bunker almost. And then we position three chairs that are so that we can have more bigger throughput. And then three people at the same time start watching Giant. And then the chair that they're sitting on, they don't know until they hear and see the bomb blast, their chair also starts shaking. So that's another element uh, we incorporated in in Giant, this haptic feedback to help you immerse you even more into this experience. Uh, And then when you take off the headset, in front of you is like a projection that, that speaks about, that connects my personal experience of going through the war with what's happening uh, right now in the world and what keeps happening with wars 
Uh, so I just wanted like, to point out that that wasn't like a single event, that it's still ongoing. And we wanted to raise awareness about that by placing people in that situation so that hopefully they can feel how it is to be in an active war zone. Yeah, Melissa, you're from Serbia. Um, and you, as, as I read, you, you wanted to do this so that you could give people a little insight into what it was like to be in an active war zone. And, you know, being from Pennsylvania, you know, I, I've never had that experience, of course. So it was, it was very powerful. And I think you guys did a wonderful job of, of giving that palpable, the palpable senses of being in a closed, dark space, um, completely out of control and, and trying to comfort your small family in, a, in what is a terrible situation. Yeah, and we really had incredible team. I mean, it really started that all of us who worked in Thailand believed and loved it so much, and we poured our hearts and souls into the project. Really starting from Lizzie Donahue, who wrote the script. And I told her my personal experience, but we decided that it's not going to be based in Serbia, it's going to be America, that it's going to be based in the, in the place in the future with American family. So she really kind of grasped and, and did a lot of research how it feels to be in war zones and, um, and then, you know, compile it into this script. Um, in, and we found this common thread that people all across the world, when they have young kids, and if, if it's a situation like war or any other disaster, they actually don't tell those kids that this kid was six years old in our experience. So they invented the story of a friendly giant that is approaching and wants to play with her instead of telling her the truth. I actually didn't see giant. And I kept hearing about this team who built Giant, and she kept hearing about me. And I'm not sure where Winslow was, but I was looking for the artists. I wanted to find the artists. And when I met Melitza and Winslow, and then I saw Giant, I just fell in love with the content. And I fell in love with them and their personalities as creators. They were our first artist in residence at the tech. We backed a lot of redos. We did some sound on Giant. Um, we then did some stuff on Tree. Um, and we'll get to Tree, which is was a, another amazing experience. But what I really loved about Winslow and Melitza is where most people weren't incorporating haptics and volumetric. And it was technically advanced, but the story didn't suffer from it in both pieces, that's what really stood up is both the technical side and the story side. Marcy, that means so much. Thank you, Marcy. You've been incredible support um, for us in these four years. It was a no-brainer when, when you suggested to bring them on the podcast. And I think this is a nice segue into Tree. I had the, the pleasure of doing their, their second large title called Tree at the IMAX Experience Center. In this VR experience, you are a tree in the rainforest and you get to experience what it is like to be a tree growing inside a beautiful rainforest. As I moved my arms, I could move my branches and it was so beautiful to see all the rainforest creatures. You also experience something that would be impossible to experience in, in actual reality. Just to that point, Christina, one thing that's really interesting because Tree was in the center 
for a very long time and people used to come in and out and you know it was that one moment that you always took them on this journey of going from 360 maybe you would show them giant in the chair and then you would take them and and lead them to more interactive state and the last thing would be being a tree and what i heard so many people say to me after they had done that experience was that they never looked at a tree the same way again that they truly felt like they were the tree and that they had an emotional connection to trees and 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 i honestly feel the same way i have a olive tree in my front yard and i have to tell you i look at that olive tree very differently every day yeah i mean i think what you're saying is really important you guys mentioned feelings and for us that was the most important thing to convey was not just the statistics that we're being bombarded with right now it's other statistics that are happening and there's only so much information that we can sort of take in from a, a talking head on the news or a push notification from a news app so it was really important that we that we conveyed it as a personal feeling and didn't also hit you over the head with with Morgan Freeman as a voice of god telling you how you should feel it was really important for us to allow you to be whatever tree you wanted and also not to give you too much background because you know you can only experience something for the first time once and that was really important and really I'm sure you have a lot of other things to to add yeah tree was in a way continuation of giant in giant we tackled the topic of how we as humans are destroying each other and then because we don't stop there we also destroy nature we we as artists felt that we need to show that side of also humanity how we are destroying the nature all across um and then yes we didn't we both watched a lot of documentaries that do great really job to explain about every single detail about climate change but then we realized we haven't really a lot of people want to go to the rainforest and witness this and and feel it and understand it on on a different level so we thought okay vr is up to this day really the perfect tool to to place you in the body of a tree and then of course add uh, even more haptic elements that than we had in uh, giant and Mr. if you want to talk about them sure well the first thing we asked you to do because we wanted to have a bridge which is really important for any type of vr is not just putting somebody into you know a virtual state it's vr is still is very much like a dream state you know how we bring people in and out of it is should be you know sort of of utmost importance um the onboarding is is really paramount so sort of to bridge that we give them a seed of the kapok tree the tree that they become and we ask them to plant it uh to pick their own seed so they're basically picking their own character their own version of the tree that they're going to be and then plant it in a real pot of soil so that feeling of dirt between their fingers you know there's something very organic uh for lack of a better word Uh, about that grit and they are then responsible for the journey that they're going to be a part of and then once they put the headset on they realize they planted themselves in the soil and that's a huge moment of like that's that aha moment and you know growing through too it's not like overwhelming it's very much on rails but that's how we then have that moment where you pop through and i remember marcy seeing you pop through the soil for the first prototype that we had when we were at the Oculus Dev Lab in Mountain View and you just like hearing your voice and like you're like I'm a tree and you know like being like and I was raw and and so the hand controllers were in my hand and you had to beat through yeah. the dirt 
<laughs> Do you remember? And oh, you yeah. had to you had to get through the dirt in order to break through your roots to have a trunk. And so at that moment, I'll never forget it. At that moment, you were that seed and you were becoming the tree. It was the craziest thing. And I think that the fact that it feels like a memory, it feels like that did happen to you. There's a lot of research that's happening now more than ever about what part of the brain is used and how we're categorizing these things as memories, not just as something that was a passive experience that we sort of from a third person, but the first person is, is a huge paradigm shift. And then you're more likely, as you said, to remember a tree as being a personal experience and, and something that happened to you. We worked with a lot of you know amazing artists and engineers to help us bring the multi-sensory aspects. And we worked with international flavors and fragrances to be able to create uh, three custom scents. Um, and we actually are a finalist as of last Friday for the Art and Olfaction Awards for Tree. For us, that's really exciting because it just shows how this project is not just you know uh, a piece of entertainment for conservation purposes, but it really crosses over a lot of different lines when it comes to multi-sensory storytelling. You know, we've shown this project at VR events, obviously, film festivals, conservation festivals, political conferences, sort of everything in between. And so we're really just excited to see how many more places it can go. And, you know, for I think that's what really is valuable to a lot of people or what is most memorable because scent is how we, as humans, imprint memories. And it's really the, one of the senses that we use to to be able to understand our environment and really trust what's happening around us. So if it's done carefully, it can really enhance the experience. And if anyone smells one of the three smells that we have, the first one being wet soil, which is really authentic, and then the freshly cut grass and foliage, and then the, the smoke smell at the end, if they smell those smells again, then they're immediately brought back to the Peruvian jungle, virtual version of that jungle that we created. Melitz and Winslow, let's talk a little bit about your globe trotting, about what you were able to do with Tree and Giant, the places you went, the things you saw, the people you met. You guys probably got more people in a headset than any other creator that's out there and really socialized the idea of what VR is to thousands of people. Yeah, I mean, it really started with Sundance and we cannot really be more grateful for Shari recognizing both projects kind of in their early stages of prototypes and like seeing our vision and, and kind of risking with us. And then uh, at Sundance, we started meeting a lot of people from different festivals and from there, a lot of invitations started going and as we started moving from festival to festival. People started seeing, and it just started growing as almost like a rainforest. So it's been four years for us that we've been constantly on on a road. We went to everywhere from uh, Cannes, Tribeca, New York Film Festival. We finished the fest like film festival circuit, but then it was also like ecological, technical festivals, GDC, gaming conferences. We just realized that. Both of these projects actually fit in so many different categories. And finally, this all brought us to somewhere where we kind of always hoped to get, and that is to decision makers. Uh, and that really happened with the World Economic Forum, where Marcy actually showed them three at Technical Experience Center. And then we got the uh, invitation. 
Um, and uh, Marcy, you were connected because of Lyneth was already showing work there. And she was also extremely supportive in bringing three to World Economic Forum. And that's where really three got totally new life, where we started showing it to presidents, vice presidents, ministers of finance all across the world. And then from there, they started, started inviting us to their events, which is like a World Bank event, uh, International Monetary Fund. Then we ended up in Singapore, Gardens by the Bay, brought by Ministry of the Government of Singapore. We couldn't imagine how far the tree reached. And, and we almost kind of didn't put much money into PR of this project. PR was constantly word of mouth. Uh, one person sees it and then they bring the whole family, friends, and, and it just kind of keeps rolling. Uh, unfortunately, of course, now it's stopped for the first time because of the COVID. But we are already like talking, like things are just being postponed at this point. But uh, I, I believe three is still gonna have a long life. The silver lining is is that we can be using this time to be working on new things and and really you know hunker down and, and focus on the creative and create you know more experiences that we really look forward to share you know as soon as possible. As three was finished and started touring the world. We already had idea for another project, and that was like supposed to be AR mobile game. The time is kind of perfect for for those kind of things, and could be for the future because a lot of people are predicting that these kind of pandemics are going to be could be our new normal. You know, it's a really strange and and precarious situation because this social distancing or physical distancing, you're not even going to be allowed to go to a live music event in 2020, 2021, potentially. And so how do we live our lives the way that we were three months ago? All of a sudden, it just gets taken away from you. So VR can be that place, that really interesting place where you don't have to worry about socially distancing. VR is a profound new canvas for self-expression, for communicating ideas, for transporting people to places, for educating you on things that can be very esoteric, you know, otherwise. So I think that it's this sort of explosion. But now I think we're seeing because people realize that VR is not just isolating people in rooms by themselves. There's a lot of excitement around social VR for connecting people, for bridging the gaps, for training for first responders, whether it comes to AR or VR. And there's now sort of a whole nother rush of funding going to it. And I think that that's really what it is going to take is, is a chicken or the egg situation. The technology itself isn't going to create these aha moments or we'll be able to bridge communities. It's really about funding and, and supporting not just money, but having a consideration and learning and educating and experiencing what is capable, where the technology is now, but where it can be. And I think Oculus is doing a really good job of, of you know, making sure that, that, that they support that and that the creators are, are heard. And I think that we're at another right now, you know, we're sort of past the trough of disillusionment, you know, after that big sort of peak. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of companies, uh, you know, are no longer, but I think people are galvanized now to see how VR can really be the next frontier for for creating all this amazing immersive media. Yeah, I think that was beautifully put. Oh, and there's no bad view, too. There's no bad view. Well, I mean, I'm only 5'7", and there's always some, like, tall dude at the conference, or at, a, at any event, you know, who's in front of me. And in the, you know, Fortnite experience, I could jump, and I'm like, there's no bad view in this place. <laughs> I like this concert a lot more than having to be in the back, you know, getting beer spilled on me. The sound is echoey and like, it just, it didn't feel, this felt like really custom 
It felt like a community. I got goosebumps. So I got a little misty, to be totally honest. And I was like, you know, hats off to Epic Games for really going the extra mile. I feel like with Travis Scott performing last week in Fortnite, that is a moment, whether just because it's 2D or not a true VR project, that is what an immersive experience is. And that is what we all have to be watching out for. And it's only the beginning. People are saying, oh, what, you know, it's pre-recorded, pre-animated, but there's also a quarantine happening right now. And it's the first of its kind up after the marshmallow event. Like this is, they set a whole new standard. So I think that is the type of experience. And now people can use, you know, uh, Unreal Engine for free, or they have been able to for the last few years, but all the kids or adults, anybody who was able to experience that now has the same launcher. They go, okay, I experienced Fortnite. What what happens if I click over here? Now I can learn how to make my own immersive worlds in the same software. It's like, it's pretty amazing how there's like this transition now to not just, you know, a one-way stream of entertainment. Now it's an interactive experience where they can build their own worlds, you know, be able to, for social, for, for any type of, you know, like really profound experience that anyone can imagine, you can kind of put it together. It's pretty incredible where things have gotten in the last five years. And this may be a little bit off topic, but, you know, I do think that VR allows almost the next best thing to the real thing in terms of giving you the feeling of connectedness, of being a part of a live event, just what is possible if the entire world took a couple months off from globe trotting and driving. I think we're already seeing some pretty incredible effects on the environment. That is one of the benefits, I think, of, of all of this is we're starting to see what having a little bit of a home-based approach can, the, the effects that it can have on the environment. And I think VR and AR are a way of supplementing that very innate human desire to connect and be a part of live events while also kind of keeping this new normal going. So to the whole room here, um, Christina, Winslow, and Melissa, how do you think we as a community go out and bang the drum um, in a different way than, than we did before? And how do we um, raise the awareness to everyone that there is this medium that does exist and you can do this and you can feel like you are physically there? How do we re-engage all of those corporations that have a need to spend money. What does that look like? I think there's a huge opportunity for creators to deliver amazing content that is sticky. And for us, we're working on a new project called Rainforest, which is it's a, a mobile experience with AR components. I'm not exactly sure how much time the average mobile user spends on things like Candy Crush or you know Farmville or those type of things, but you know, I think that people would be more willing to do it and feel better about it if they're actually, if they're, the time they're putting in is going to a cause and highlighting things that are actually relevant in the real world. Um, there's just so much, you know, violence in games right now too. And that, you know, the game mechanics can be shifted. So it's something that is, you know, uh, actually, you know, so that there's a, a positive side of it. Like um, with Animal Crossing, you learn about, you know, about farming and collecting, but I think actually having some type of, throughput on the other end of, you know, what charities can this actually be going towards? You know, how can we actually be helping? Um, I think that there's, that's the responsibility of creators, but also on the publishers. And, you know, I think that is going to have to be a shift. And I think it is happening now as well. Uh, But we really want to be able to create experiences that are for everybody and that can feel like somebody is, is doing something. And if there's a, 
a way that we can sort of be shifting that towards uh, doing more meaningful things and, and educating communities on everything that's happening in the world right now. I always thought that the good content is what will attract people. So I kind of wish creators put a lot of like mindfulness into what next project they will make, make it interesting, make it, make it fun, make it meaningful. Uh, we, we now need to learn all of us about solutions and what can each of us do going forward. Can you tell us any more about Rainforest? You know, get us a little excited for what's coming. Everything we do is like connected in, in our work. Um, and we wanted to expand the topic we started in three. Uh, but just to go through the whole rainforest, look through different levels of the rainforest and teach you about flora and fauna of the rainforest, but everything through the fun gameplay. So you are part of this uh, ecosystem and you're kind of helping it evolve. And each person will have, you know, their own rainforest that they can care for and also learn about, you know, the threats that also that they face. So we want to be able to have it so that you can, you know, cultivate it um, and be able to, to build something. And it's important for us to have a multiplayer component of this too, so that we can be sharing these rainforests um, you know, across all different groups and really feel like it's an ecosystem. For us, it's also important to be working with partners who are doing work on the ground, like we work pretty closely with the Rainforest Alliance, so that this is actually based in fact. And you know, we want this to be going through day and night cycles and, and have push notifications from what's actually happening in the real world. And as climate change is all of our problem, uh, we absolutely all of us on this planet have to work together towards um, re- like slowing it down. So this game kind of is going to mimic that. This multiplayer Winslow mentioned is, is going to require from all of us to work together to, to resolve, to, to win in a game, actually. And that's how we, in a subtle way, are teaching people like to win in life. You need to work together. Well, I think that's an incredibly important message for where we're at right now inside this pandemic. And this sounds like an incredible learning tool for for remote, for all of our kids who are, you know, working and, and, and learning from home right now. So I can't wait to play it. I think it sounds like totally, again, my kind of game, just like Tree was my kind of VR experience. What's the estimated time of it coming out? We're actually about to start next month, hopefully, um, working on it. So we're aiming to have it like a first like working prototype in January 2021. Amazing. And what, what do you need right now? If, if, if anybody's listening who might be able to help you, what, what, what <laughs> exactly. do you need? Yeah, some talented artists and engineers who understand game engine and also understand like procedurally generated vegetation. If, if, if anyone knows anybody who can do that, but from a low poly perspective, then that would be perfect. Amazing. Well, Melitza Winslow, you always put a smile on my face and I love hearing what you're doing and how you're progressing. And I'm glad that you're both safe and sound in your respective places, homes. I can't thank you enough for spending time with Christina and I. It gets kind of lonely in this pandemic and and really trying to understand what's going to go on when it's over and what does the future look like. So I appreciate hearing your outlook. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having us. This is always wonderful talking to you. Stay safe, everyone. The Second Level Podcast is produced by Arcadian Productions, Valerie Canamar, Abby Tate, and Mike Matzdorf, who also edits our episodes. That's me. Thank you for listening. 
And please visit our website, secondlevelpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or the internet somewhere, all at Second Level Podcast. Please don't forget, if you enjoyed the show, like and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends. See you next time. Thank you.